Welcome to the Food Foundation's Pod Bites, our series of thoughts and staff analyses of news events. I'm Sarah Bazard, and I'm the Responsible Investor Engagement Lead for the Food Foundation. Today, I'm going to give you our take on this year's Conference of the Parties, or COP as it's more commonly known, which has just concluded with an agreement by almost 200 countries to transition away from fossil fuels and ramp up renewable energy. But there's been a lot more on the agenda than just fossil fuels. This year at COP28, food was featured much more prominently on the agenda than ever before. And that's important because we know that food systems are currently responsible for 90% of global deforestation, 70% of biodiversity loss, a third of global greenhouse gas emissions, and that they use 70% of our global freshwater supplies. Severe weather events are already affecting our ability to produce and transport food, and that's threatening our ability to provide healthy diets for all. The UK imports about half of our food and half of our food supply chains come from climate hotspots. And that equates to about £8 billion worth of food or 16% of imports that are at risk. So it's an important issue for the UK to face up to in terms of food and nutrition security. But it's also important in terms of helping to protect and build the resilience of food supplies, both here and in the countries that produce our food, and also in tackling climate change. This COP also saw the first ever health day. The World Health Organization has predicted that between 2030 and 2050, climate change will cause an extra 250,000 deaths per year from malnutrition, malaria, diarrhea and heat stress. Our current food system is already failing billions of people around the world. Up to 828 million people go hungry every day and yet 2 billion people are living with obesity or overweight globally. And poor diets remain one of the major drivers of global mortality and morbidity. One in five deaths is associated with poor diet. So given the focus on food and health in the context of a global climate conference, the Food Foundation and the Investor Coalition on Food Policy decided to hold a side event on Health Day at COP. So investors haven't traditionally been part of the multi-stakeholder dialogue around food systems transformation, and yet they have you know, significant potential to help transform the systems. So the focus of our side event was on how investors can help fix the food system and the role of data, transparency, standards and regulation as part of that food systems transformation. We were joined on the panel by Nicola Day, the Deputy Head of Green Bank Investments, Lauren Compare, the Managing Director and Head of Stewardship and Engagement at Boston Common Asset Management, and John Willis, the Director of Research at Planet Tracker. Our panel discussed why institutional investors are interested in food systems transformation, what the main financial risks are that the global food system is facing if we continue with business as usual. And we also discussed the main trends and barriers in terms of a transition to a healthy and sustainable global food system and what barriers the investment community faces in aligning their investments with healthy and sustainable foods. We also talked about the extent to which the lack of um, transparency in the food and drink sector is an obstacle to investment in healthier and more sustainable foods. And actually, in fact, the, the difficulty of getting reliable, accurate and comparable data was a common theme across many of the sessions at COP this year. We're seeing the regulatory direction on corporate global reporting, and that offers a huge opportunity for systems change and a shift in food culture. But those big shifts will only be achieved if the governments shift the incentives and the standards in the system within which businesses operate. So it's the governments who are responsible for changing those parameters and those incentives. 
And while it's not the whole picture, having clear, accurate, reliable, comparable data that's legislated for is a critical part of the solution to the transition to healthy, sustainable food systems that work for both people and the planet. Also, governments need to ensure that the investment community's perspective is included in discussions on food policy because investors and businesses need long-term policy direction and planning and clarity and stability and a level playing field. So the governments need to understand what it is that investors need to incentivize a stronger flow of, of capital into healthy and sustainable food systems transformation. And that's why invest initiatives like the Investor Coalition on Food Policy are so important. If we look at what else happened at COP, um, it was quite a busy one. There was a lot that happened in the food and health space and the health lens has actually added a lot of urgency to tackling the climate crisis. But we can see that we still need more focus on the nutrition aspect in terms of the food, climate and health nexus. So quite early on at COP, we saw the launch of two declarations. The first was the COP28 UAE Declaration on Sustainable Agriculture, Resilient Food Systems and Climate Action. So this is a head of state level declaration and it's been signed by over 150 countries, including the UK. And what's good to see in this declaration is that food systems and food systems transformation is being recognised as needing to be included in order to achieve the long term goals of the Paris Agreement. And there are also references to food security, access, access to safe and sufficient, affordable and nutritious food for everybody. And that's all really positive. The declaration also references combating inequalities, protecting the most vulnerable, school food, procurement, strengthening social protection systems um, and the need for sustainable production and consumption approaches. So there's a lot in there to like. But one aspect that was missing was the, the need to shift to more plant-based foods. The second declaration was the COP28 UAE Declaration on Climate and Health. Now, this is a ministry-level declaration, and it's been endorsed by over 140 countries so far, including the UK. And it's a global commitment to address climate-related health impacts and to align climate and health in policy processes. So again, it's good to see references to food, nutrition and a shift to healthy, sustainable diets mentioned in this, as well as combating inequalities and reducing poverty and hunger and improving health and livelihoods. Um, it would have been nice to see more on sort of actual food systems transformation, though. So while these declarations don't actually have any kind of legal standing, they do put food and health and the link with climate firmly in the global space going forwards. So that should help to mainstream climate action and join up the dots across policy agendas and actions related to food and health. The food declaration need, requires the signatories to build the commitments into their national adaptation plans, nationally determined contributions, long-term strategies and so on. And they need to do that before COP30, which is in two years time. And then the progress is going to be reviewed collectively at the next COP in 2024. The health declaration also requires the signatories to build commitments into kind of Paris Agreement and UNFCCC processes, including national adaptation plans and nationally determined contributions. Um, and the progress is also going to be reviewed at future COPs. So there's quite a lot in there that's really positive. 
Um, and we welcome the UK government endorsing both of these declarations. And so there's now an additional imperative for the government to implement reporting requirements that will facilitate its own progress on and, and the monitoring of its international commun- uh, commitments. So what else happened at COP? There's been um, quite a lot. There's the major outcome of this COP was the country's response to the first global stock take against the Paris Agreement goals. So most of the wrangling was over the issue of fossil fuels, but there was also a fair amount of back and forth on food and food related matters and whether they would even be reflected in the final decision. And then there was also the case for the that was also the case for the global goal on adaptation, which is another key outcome from this year's COP. And the good news is that some food and nutrition related references have find, found their way into the final text, um, even if that's not as prominently as we would have liked to have seen. And then the kind of final piece of the puzzle is that the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO, released their global roadmap for achieving Sustainable Development Goal 2, which is about zero hunger, without breaching the 1.5 degree threshold. And this is a pathway for aligning the global food system with global climate goals. And it recognises the importance of dietary shifts and changing the food environment. And it also highlights the need to cut food waste by half and reduce reduce methane emissions from livestock by 25 percent by 2030. And it also recognises the need for us to plant more diverse ranges of crops than we currently do. The roadmap also says that different countries will need to take different measures. So, for example, in northern higher income countries, governments will need to nudge their citizens to reduce their meat and dairy intake. Unfortunately, there is a section on intensifying livestock production in relevant locations, which isn't the direction we would want to see food production going in, given its health and environmental consequences. And other global organisations like the IPCC have more explicitly recommended that meat and dairy consumption ought to be reduced in order for us to keep emissions within 1.5 degrees. So, you know, while the roadmap might be looking at the issue of livestock through low income livelihoods lenses, it sort of fails to take into account the animal welfare issues, which um, are often sacrificed with more intensive livestock production systems. So all in all, if we take all of these relatively modest steps that took place at COP28 together, they can be seen as an affirmation of the importance of food and health and nutrition in the global context of tackling climate change. And so while perhaps it's still an emerging agenda on the world stage, these steps have laid the foundations for us to ramp up the work on food systems going forward and food systems transformation. So I think let's take that as a win and uh, get back to work. Thank you for listening. As we head toward the next general election, the Food Foundation is calling on policymakers to recognise the importance of the food system in shaping the nation's health and wealth. Click on the link to the Food Foundation Manifesto in the show notes. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date with the latest analysis on what makes healthy food matter.